0: for my brother here, Tanel, and thank you for his ministry. Thank you for his blessing, O Lord, to your people. And we just bring him before you, that you anoint him, O Lord, especially for this word that he's bringing this morning, that the words that he would declare will not be his words, but your words proceeding out of his mouth, transforming lives this morning, Bring healing, salvation, deliverance. Mm. That your word will come with power. Yeah. For we know that the entrance of your word gives light. And it gives understanding to the simple. Your word yeah. will transform our world. Yeah. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. 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 Blessed Thank you.
1: Hello. Can you hear me? Oh, great stuff. Thank you, Josh Schwinn, who stepped up onto the visuals this morning. He's never done it before, and uh, he's managed to get my brezzy working. So uh, he's really saved saved the day for me. It makes it a lot easier, and I can actually show you some photos of the person I'm talking about, etc. And, uh, yeah, if we can go and try to get on the first slide, and we'll... see if we can get there. But yeah, my message today is it's nothing too taxing, it's nothing too difficult to understand, but, but my aim is really to encourage you to become more like Christ. To take seriously our, our aim to, to be disciple of Christ. And uh, and I want to use an example of a man from Estonia uh, as, a, as a part of my talk, who's an inspiring guy. And I, I hope you, you'll you find him inspiring as well as I did when I read about his life story. I've got a book here. Unfortunately, <laughs> it's all kicking off, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, this book is only in Estonian, so... Uh, Unless you speak the language, you, I can't really. Not much good lending it to you. But uh, this book was first written in German and Finnish before it was actually written in Estonian. Here we go. We've got my first slide. And that's kind of really sums up a very simple picture that I borrowed from uh, Facebook of all the places. You know, when, you, when these things pop up on your Facebook and it's like, yeah, I'll have that. <laughs> uh, so my plan... Is, can we go on the next slide? So, yeah, my plan is quite often we kind of want to keep things straight, keep things simple. We'll go for it, and uh, nothing can stop us, eh? And, uh, and with God, sometimes things work differently. Let's go to the next slide. Yep, yeah, and it looks a bit more like that. Well, we can't really quite see the finish line or, or finish flag. On that picture, you can see these staging points, There are these little flags. And they remind me of, who's played golf? If you haven't played golf, it's okay. I've only played a few rounds myself, but I've seen it. So on a golf course, if you tee off and your green is kind of over hill, it's blind. You can't see it, actually, where, where you're meant to land the ball. What they provide you with is a marker. It's like a good flag that tells you, this is your aim, this is where you're aiming for, even though you can't see it, where where it's going to land exactly, or you have to trust it, and and I think with God, quite often it's the same with our plans and our story, if God relieved, uh, revealed our lives in front of us, you know, in one go I think quite a few of us would get scared and like, whoa, 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 I don't want that, but God will just reveal, just enough, that's your next marker go for that, and I will show you more. And, uh, and the other thing, what I really, when you read your Bible, when you hear about other people, God doesn't do microwave Christianity. Amen. Things take time. Oh, we are used to everything quickly. It's there. We're done. We're ready to go. A couple of seconds and, and my meal is ready. But with God, he likes to marinate us. He likes to slow roast us, sometimes cool us down again and then heat us up again. You know, best chips are cooked three times, aren't they? That's what they say, three times. You blanch them and then you let them rest a bit. Let them just mingle in the, in the oil and then you chuck them in again. And, and I think with God, God doesn't rush with things. And uh, we look at examples. Obviously, I, I'm going to come to the nation of Israel. And, and uh, this is kind of the, the only national discipleship course that I've come across. When God takes the whole nation and say, says, I will be your king. And I will show you how to be a nation. And I will give you my, my laws. And, and it's a journey. And we're going to look at that start of that journey as well. Okay, let's go on the next slide. Let's look at our first scripture. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. How many times can you see everyone in that little verse? Three times. I think Paul is trying to say that it's for everyone. In colossae they, they are this thinking that oh we've got these plebs we don't really understand things but but we kind of feed it to them and and uh, and they kind of get by and then we've got these special people who've got you know this deep and special understanding or they are worth listening to but Paul was like no no it's for everyone God has a plan for every one of us it doesn't matter how insignificant we might seem to ourselves he wants us to be mature in Christ. And to be mature in Christ, in other translations, it, it, it says complete in Christ. Full in Christ. That our, we're lacking nothing. Because God has provided everything for us. So, we want to become mature in Christ. His disciples. Now, let's, let's, look at, let's talk about this guy. Let's get the next slide up, please. There's a photo of him for, for kickoff. Yeah, this is. Let me introduce you to Arpad Arder. Arpad Arder. Okay, quite a r- remarkable character. He was born just about 100 years ago, 1922. His uh, father was a opera singer. His m- mother uh, was in journalism and and. Seemed to be studying all over the place all the time. Um, but they really met through uh, Orthodox Church and their seminaries. Because the Orthodox Church had a really good free seminary in, in Riga. And uh, obviously they, they didn't become monks and nuns. They actually got married. And one yeah, uh, really liked singing. Father really liked singing. And so he became an opera singer uh, in Estonian National Theater, Opera Theater called Estonia, and uh, his birth story is quite remarkable from, from kickoff. It, his mother was uh, studying in Budapest, and it was, she was hoping to get back to Estonia by the time of birth, but she became seriously ill with a renal uh, inflammation of, of pelvis. Yeah, that's what it is in English. I don't know exactly what it entails, but there were five doctors look, looking at her and she was seriously ill, and they, they were like, four of them said, I think we need to get, we need to sacrifice the baby for the health of the mother. And there was one doctor who was 29-year-old. Let's get the next photo up. There's a photo of him. Erno Zabli, that's very easy for me to, that's a uh, Hungarian name. And that was that one doctor who said, I think I can save them both. And the mother believed in God and, and said, oh, I have my faith in this youngest doctor. And went ahead. And that doctor spent day and night at the side of this, uh, his patient, and later patients. Although he was, he was about to be married himself, and, and later on when he was born... Uh, when the child was born the name was given to him by his doctor and his uncle because uh, his mother wasn't able to uh, give a name and that's how it ended up with the name arpad which is not very estonian name let me tell you <laughs> <laughs> but it is quite hungarian apparently hungarian for hungarian people arpad is like abraham would be for israel so it was part of the like the first dynasty and so, yeah, Arpad Arder, Arder, as I would say, but he would say it, I pronounce it slightly differently. I don't want to confuse you all. But, yeah, uh, he was born. And he was well. Um, and another interesting thing about this doctor, he carried on celebrating Arpad's birthday for the rest of his life don't know how many doctors would do that right. but obviously Harper had, had such an impact on this doctor as well. It wasn't just a simple birth. It wasn't something that you know it that, that would have come across all the time. Okay, let's go on the next photo. Let's see that there's the mother and, and boy when the boy was four years old. Um, Unfortunately, his father started drinking heavily. Uh, It kind of goes hand-in-hand with with, uh, opera singing or or highly acting and that kind of stuff. And and mother decided to uh, divorce him and go to study a bit further in in Paris, hoping that when she comes back and he's he's come back to his senses and they can remarry, but it never happened. But yeah, so... uh, They lived in Paris for a while. When they came back, um, they started their lives as two of them uh, in Tallinn. And what his mother did, he tried to give him the best education she could. Her mother was actually from a family of quite um, well known political family in Estonia. Uh, Her father, was a prior, uh, not prime minister, foreign minister, who signed the most important treaty for Estonia in 1920, and that was the peace treaty with Russia, where they promised to leave us alone forever. <laughs> 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 but, but, yeah, so uh, so he was from the family of importance, uh, and his mother started teaching him languages. He he'd already lived in Paris for a while, so uh, the main thing was French. German and Russian. So, uh, but from age of four, five, six, he was learning three foreign languages, and uh, tried to take him to school, and she's like, "No, schools are not good enough for you." Let me get, get some home home uh, schooling done, and, and get some extra tuition and teach you the languages. And Arpad so grew up in this family. His stepfather uh, came along, and he was the chief editor for one of the main newspapers in Estonia, so uh, he had a richly uh, kind of educated conversations in, in the house where he was living and where he was growing up and he was able to read all the newspapers from all across the world and, and really educate himself and, and he was actually earning money quite early doors translating some of the articles from, uh, from French newspapers or into Estonian for magazines and so. So yeah, so uh, he was a remarkable character. And as he was getting in teenage years, he really wanted to know, you know, what should he be doing? And he actually uh, enlisted like top professors to psychometrically kind of test him and see what, what he's capable, what can they do, what, what he's useful for. And they came back like, yeah, you've got a leadership skill. You can think strategically, you can think big. But you've got this unique ability to look deep into things at the same time and it's like we've never seen anyone like like this before uh, and so as a teenager he puts down his life plan a bit like this first slide and he writes more than 100 types more than 100 pages of a4 his life plan what he's going to do each year till the age of 60 And uh, his main plan was to uh, establish a school of talent in Estonia. Because he thought, we're a small nation, it's never going to be about quantity, it's got to be about quality. And so, uh, by large, he he kind of planned, like, first 20 years, I'm going to, from 20 to 40, I'm going to gain capital, and then 40 to 60, I'm going to establish and and lead my school of talent. And that's going to be my life that's what I'm going to do and it was all set and he was doing everything to get there and uh, but what happened obviously the Second World War was looming and Red Army came in first to Estonia they said we'll we'll protect you let me let us just put some bases in here and and meanwhile they sent all the all the brighter mines to Siberia and Arpad actually was enlisted to Army and he had to dig in trenches uh, to pro- protect them from Germany, but Germans came in anyway, and without much fight, they were in. And then Arpad was there was a full mobilisation of all Estonians to German army then, so mobilised to Red Army first, and now German army, and he's trying to he's like I don't really want to do that at all. He uh, hides away, and his plan is to clear off and get, get to Finland and, and Sweden and, and just have nothing to do with it. But he, he gets caught, and he suspects that people who, who was trusting weren't that trustworthy. And he ends up in prison uh, in 1943, in September time, and he ends up spend, spending five months in that prison, in Tallinn. We've actually visited that prison. <laughs> It's an awful, awful, awful place. Uh, but what happens in that prison cell? As is there with, with lots of other people who have done something wrong against Germans. And uh meant to be 13 men in this particular cell. And in the end, there's like 33 of them. <laughs> so you can just imagine. And there weren't many books available to read, obviously, aren't Arpad tried to keep his mind sharpened, and, and then uh, he got hold of German New Testament. and I Thought, yeah, I could too with kind of brushing up my German language and and just uh, familiarising myself with it, like a spiritual language of German. And so he starts reading, and it's, it's all good. It, it seems to really, uh, he takes to it. But all of a sudden, all the books are confiscated because somebody did something wrong. <laughs> And his, his book that he was kind of getting into was taken away from him. But on Christmas Day, there was a gift from God. A Russian was brought in, uh, with, w- along with another Estonian. Uh, and because it was Christmas Eve, they weren't searched properly. And so they, they actually had some food and they had some books with them. And there was only one book in Russian. Others were in Estonian, and the Russian book was the Bible. The Bible. And that's why the Russian had picked that up. He was actually a communist himself. He wasn't really too bothered about the Bible. <laughs> but when Arpit said, oh, can I read this? And he said, yeah, go ahead. And uh, he was reading for two weeks when things really changed for him. So obviously he had heard the gospel message before. He's, one of his aunts was actually missionary. And, and, uh, and so he was familiar with the message. Uh, but he had never really he'd never taken to it he'd never really given it a chance so to speak and, and there in the prison cell yeah, he's reading this, this bible in Russian and it changes his life and he says he's, he's like although he's incarcerated in the prison cell he, he says he's, he's, his soul is as free as it's ever been And all the rest of the inmates kind of think, he's gone crazy. That lad has lost it, proper lost it now. He's just singing away, and he's talking to his Russian friend who brought the Bible and and tried to share it. And he's sharing about the communist ideas with him, and and he says it's all good. (laughs) Uh, What happens then, after five months, he's he's actually taken out of prison and sent to do some work for Germans. So he's, he's... building roads and, and so on and, and shoveling snow before he's properly enlisted it back into German army again exactly one year later um, with lots of other Estonians who tried to do the same. Tried to get away, they couldn't. But on the first day when he was just about to get into his uh, army barracks some big ranking officer turns up and he says, yeah, is there anyone who can speak German? And so... Harper puts his hand up, yeah, I can speak German, yeah. <laughs> because they need a translator. And he ends up getting this job as a translator for an administrative officer, adjutant. Uh, yeah, and, and he's got a really cushy job then. He's not actually living in barracks. He's, he's, he's been able to visit churches because his newfound faith, he wants to find other Christians whenever he can. Do you feel that sometimes, when, you, when you're away from church, like he was, and he was seeking out other Christians, and 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 he ended up living with this dear old lady, Christian lady, who became his spiritual mother uh, for a few months, because God was doing a work in him. God had started the work, and it was carrying on. But then, 1943, towards the end. Uh, Germans started losing again in Estonia, and Russians really bombed that town into smithereens and lots of other places. And and he was about to, his uh, boss was saying, "I'm going to Germany. It's up to you what you're going to do, but if you can you do me a favour, can you bring my suitcases to the port before I take off? And, and it, I'm going to go and collect my family." And Arpa thought, "Yeah, okay, okay. I just need to go and find God's direction on this." What am I going to do? And, and he goes to one of the churches in, and uh, one of these posh altar places and with the Bible, and the usual person is not actually meant to be standing there or reading Bible, but he's going and he's desperate, and he, he just does the whole, you know the old thing when you open it up and you put your finger on it. And it, it opens up on Isaiah 37:13, and when he looks under his finger his name is under his finger it says Arpad and, and, the, and the sentence is where is the king of Arpad and he's like he's got an answer from God <laughs> well he, he knows he's got the peace that God has got his finger on him have you ever felt that i'm not really saying that you should you know go about and keep doing that all the time you know, uh, when we were on, on ICJ conference this summer, uh, Peter Sukuhira, he said, you know, Old Testament is full of great scripture. And quite often we're, it's okay, just take a, take a verse out and, and even if it's out of context, it might, be, might really bless you and, and be right, the word in time for you, like it was for Arpad. But when you're finished with it, just put it back where you found it. Don't try to make it to say something that it didn't say originally, you know. And so, Albert was later well aware that it wasn't just about him, this verse, but but at that time, it really meant everything to him. And and he had a sense that God, his king, is with him wherever he goes. And so, he, he goes and his first marker is, I'll go and deliver these suitcases and well, his boss has left already with the previous boat. So he's like, I promised to take him suitcases, right? He's getting on the boat. He's on, on the way to Germany. And when he, when he delivers them suitcases, he's like, his boss was like so surprised. What have you done? <laughs> what are you doing here? I'm just doing what I promised to do. And, and you know, God was here with him. Again, he's seeking out all the other Christians in, in Germany and on, his, on his journey, uh, becoming more like Jesus he was serious about it but as you can imagine things in in germany in 1944 got a bit more serious and he ends up being in the front line with loads of other estonians and and apparently they've been put on the line where previously they had german convicts who were on death row and now it's like you need to defend us the rest of the german forces getting away so uh he's been put on that kind of very dangerous place, and just before he get a, gets conviction through a, a Russian brother who says, "Who said, you know, don't destroy God's temple?" and and he, that goes into his heart, and all of a sudden he decides, right, so that I'm not tempted. He, they were given only fifteen bullets. He just chucks them in the in the ditch, and so he's got his weapon. <laughs> And he's got his loud voice, <laughs> and that's all he uses. And, uh, and one of his commanding officers no- notices and says, what's wrong with you? You never shoot. And he keeps shouting really loudly. And he says, I can't shoot anyone. <laughs> right, get back. Just take some uh, injured soldiers back. You're no good for me here. And when he gets back in the base where they finds that they're almost all gone, there's nobody left. And so he feels like he can't leave his comrades in, in the lurch, and he's going to tell them, it's you know everyone's gone. <laughs> it might be time to get back ourselves. And uh, and so in the end, he's part of the few who's left, and they're holding back, and and he's making all the loud noises, and and so the enemy thinks that there's a lot more of them, <laughs> and uh, they're able to slip away in that in the darkness and get to safety. And the war ends very soon after that. And now he's there in, in Germany and he's like, oh, the word is my, world is my oyster, he was thinking. And then these fellow Estonians come to him like, hey, we've, we've all talked about it. Will you lead us back to Estonia? Will you take us home? And again, he's like, oh, I can't do what I wanted to do. But I think it's from God. And so... Uh, with his knowledge of languages and, and so on, he is the spokesperson for them then. And he leads 250 Estonians home. And that journey is obviously not easy because most of them are in, in German soldier uniforms travelling through Europe. You can just imagine how easy that is. And uh, But he's the main man and all the letters are Arpadada and he's other two hundred forty-nine people who are with him to get food and supplies and, and everything bits and pieces that they need from, from different stores on the way. And when he gets back to edge of which was now Soviet Union, I think uh, obviously they all have to be interrogated properly. And Arpad said, "I can translate for you if you can, if you don't speak Russian language, but I've got only one uh, condition." You have to tell the truth and the only the truth. <laughs> Don't lie. Otherwise, I will not translate for you. And uh, he does a lot of good like that. And, and lots of Estonians are able to go back home. And he thinks, yeah, I've kind of seen the line of questioning now. I I know how to handle them, et And uh But, yeah, when it comes to him, oh, no. The story is different because all the... Previous letters say Arpad and 249. So he must be the linchpin. He must be the fascist leader, <laughs> and so they, he's really put into into different concentration camps and prisons, and and he ends up in the hospital, seriously ill, and 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 yeah, so his life is not easy, and in the end, there's like a f- final push, and and they're really trying to get information out of him, and. They've collected quite a bit of information about him as well. And he said, I shared only with one person on, me, on the journey that my grandfather was Estonian foreign minister. And somehow that information is with interrogators and they're really not happy about it. And and that's kind of, it's enough to be shot straight away. And and he's just praying. He's just not saying anything. He's not signing anything. He's just praying. And then... Interrogators like he's, he's not fully with it. He's Christian, for starters, and, and obviously all Christians are deemed a bit crazy. Bit a lot depends who you're talking to, but yeah. And he, in the end, he was sent home with a certified papers of being crazy, but because he was uh, so to speak silent or harmless crazy, he was able to just go. And in the end, he makes his way home and he's able to meet with his fiancé again. And let's get another photo, if we can. Yeah, there he is with his fiancé when they're married later on. And obviously, he becomes a pastor. And he does a lot of work in Estonia and between Russia and Kazakhstan and all the places and Eastern Germany. And uh, and he's able to carry on the work. Initially, he didn't want to go full-time for God. And he's like, no, I just... He was trying to work in a uh, library, for instance. And one of his uh, people from church said, can you invite my daughter to church? He works with you in the library. He said, yeah, no problem, I'll invite her. Obviously, that was overheard. And within minutes, he was invited to... Uh, to write his resignation letter. You deceived us. We thought you were a communist youth. And now we learn that you're, you go to church. And they had a church wedding. She lost a job. She, lost, um, she was doing a course in choir leading. She was chucked out of that course in the last week because she had a church wedding. So things weren't easy as a, as a pastor And things were even harder at the rest of the Soviet Union. Let me just add that little bit to you. Uh, And he was like part of the delegation who went to meet other Christians in uh, Moscow. And and in Estonia, it was allowed for children to go to church on Sundays. And what what I've learned, really, through ARPAD, that the rest of the Soviet Union didn't have that privilege. And it was a lot more strict. So, we're not talking about Sunday school. It's just attending the church meeting. Rest of the rest of the Soviet Union, it was forbidden, and that's what drove loads of churches underground. And Arpad was one of the guys who, who tried to keep in contact with them, uh, churches who were underground. And and obviously, it wasn't easy because there was trust issues. And uh, obviously he was pressed to give, give up some of his contacts and, uh, and, uh, and he, he experienced all that before, so <laughs> it was no problem for him. God works through different ways, doesn't he? And, uh, and sometimes it, it's through suffering as well. Albert said afterwards, uh, I had kind of two main prayers, first to become more like Christ, and, but secondly, I was praying, I don't want to be in prison. I don't want to be a war prisoner. And then he said, well, I guess these two prayers weren't mutually quite compatible. And, and I guess God just saw the most important one and, and, and listened to that one. <laughs> and, yeah, so, so the journey. But God is interested in our journey. And he can use our journey if we commit it to him. Committed to him in all our ways. This is what we heard in, in Limitless. There's quite a few people were here before. They've gone to play uh, uh, with us about discipleship. Discipleship was really like the main message or theme through through the Limitless uh, festival. It's a youth festival. It was. It's like it was Soul Survivor, but slightly better this year, I would say. And. Uh, Still 454 young people came to know Christ for the first time, made the decision. So uh, it was evangelistic, but it was also really trying to give grounding to our young people, what it means to be a disciple. Okay, let's look at the, uh, let's get the next slide up. I think, if I remember correctly, we're on, in uh, Exodus now. Just swiftly moving to Exodus. Yeah, we're doing okay. I'm not going to spend too long here, but, but let's read from Exodus 13 and 14. End of chapter 13 to 14, first few verses. Yes. Okay. When Pharaoh left the people... I'll start again. When Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said lest the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. But God led people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt, equipped for battle. And the Lord went before them, uh, jumping to 21, before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along that way and night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from before the people. Wow, what a privilege, isn't it? (laughs) You cannot get lost if you are it by God in such a clear way. Well, let's read on. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of by Hachiroth, between Migdal and the sea, in front of the Baal Zaphon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering the land, the wilderness has shut them in, and I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them, and I will, I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Can you imagine Moses getting that message from God, right? Yeah, made some good progress away from Egypt. And and God says, right, we next plan is we turn back. We go and trap ourselves in front of this Red Sea and, and look lost, look stupid. Is everybody okay with that plan? Is happy with that? Yeah. Do we all know what we're doing? Yeah, yeah, well, well. (laughs) I don't think it went down like that quite. But nevertheless, they followed the plan. They turned back. Uh, I've looked at the. tried to look at the maps where it mentions these hardly hard to pronounce names and places, and and it's not very clear. That's why I'm not provided you with a map. Because there's lots of question marks, what people think where it might be, and so. I will not try to even show you what distances they've traveled there. But it's clear. Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp. Turn back and go back towards danger. Turn back towards the slavery where you've been kept for 430 years. So why? That God can show his glory. That God can show his full glory and also build our character in progress, build the character and faith of the people of Israel. And I wonder if sometimes God tells us to turn back. Maybe you've been on your journey and you've been through a few ups and downs and, and you don't seem to be going anywhere. Just listen to God. Maybe, maybe there's something that needs resolving in your life, in your, on your journey. Maybe you have to turn back, so that God can get the full glory, and He can build the full character in you, so you can come to a full maturity in Christ. As I mentioned in, in uh, Limitless Festival, Tim Alford is the leader of Limitless, and I just want to share a little bit about from his last message. Those who heard it. Uh, can help me out but um, so he, he talked about the last message was dear young people when you go back in your youth groups oh, he painted a picture and said this is how I want your youth groups to look like and this is what I want you to strive for and this is how I want to grow it want you to grow as a disciples and he brought up can we go on the next slide four points vibrant spirituality so that we can be lively. So we can, what he said, so in our youth groups, it's not going to be any more problem to ask young people to pray out loud, but we're going to have to actually manage how they do it and, and to stop them praying. <laughs> so that there's a vibrancy in our, in our spirituality, in our, our praying, in our reading of the Bible, in our prophesying and, and using our spiritual gifts. Next one. Radical community. And as family church, we should know something about that, being a community. T.C. So radical community, it's all about the one another commands. So radical, again, it's not nothing to do with Islamist or anything. Radical is back to the roots. Yes. We go back to where, where the uh, first church was and the, the commands that were given to love each other, to forgive each other. There's over 50 of them. In the, in the New Testament, uh, how to be- behave with each other, how to support each other, how to bear with each other, how to carry each other's burdens. Uh, I've got to actually list. If you go on Google, you can easily find them, or it's a good Bible study to do. But um, well, let's move on. Passionate missionaries, so we can actually be people who are not ashamed of the gospel. That we can preach the gospel, and we can make disciples just talking about passionate missionaries and and being able to do something on the front line that means our workplace really and and I've just come to realise it's little and often could be a lot better than trying to get the Bible out and smash everyone (laughs) with it in one go and it's like it's just if you get opportunities just say just like Yesterday morning, I was uh, talking to my colleagues, and, oh, what are you doing on on your four days off? And I'm like, I'm preaching on Sunday morning. And it's like, oh, right, what are you preaching on? (laughs) Let us know. (laughs) So they want to know, and and it's just, these little conversations could be just the starters that leads them towards Christ. So you you don't have to be a world-known evangelist. Just have a little bit of courage, and it's just, if you tell them, once they know you, if you tell them what you're doing, I'm going to church on Sunday. That might be enough to start a conversation. Or next time they're like, Oh yeah, so you go to church again? So so you're really serious about that? You know these little conversations can really do the help us to be become passionate missionaries, passionate evangelists, and and we just learn step by step. And quite often I'm kind of in the end that you know with these little conversations I've had and that analyzing did I do okay did I say enough did I say too much and you know God works with us he knows us better than we do and he his pleasure is to to use us for his kingdom for his glory and to become passionate about what we do what we believe let's not be ashamed let's not be uh, secret Christians okay and the fourth point Tim said, I don't really want to give you this fourth point. Because it's just not natural, really. Embrace suffering. It's something as parents, you just want to protect your children. You want to protect all the young people. You want to embrace suffering. Seriously. But this is the way of of Christ. This is the way of following Christ and being committed to him. And that's what Arpad Arda learnt on his journey. His life plan that he had set out didn't work out. But God had another plan. And he had to embrace suffering, but but he became more like Christ all through it. And uh, another thing, what I want to finish with this one. What Tim Alford drew our attention to on uh, Limitless Festival was a, a piece of paper that was found in the office of a Zimbabwean pastor who was murdered for his faith. Later on, they went to his office, tied it up, and they find this little piece of paper which declares where he stands. Let me read it out first to you, and maybe we can... We'll see if you agree with it. And maybe can respond to that okay let me read it out first and then uh actually you can put it on the screen josh as as i read it. it it is just all lined up there and after you can go back okay so he says i'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed the die has been cast i've stepped over the line the decision has been made i'm a disciple of his and i won't look back let up slow down back away or be still my past is redeemed. My present makes sense. My future is secure. I'm done and finished with low living, sightwalking, small planning, smooth knees, colorless dreams, tamed visions, mundane talking, cheap living and dwarfed goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity, position, promotions, plaudits or popularity. I don't have to be right or first, or tops, or recognized, or praised, or rewarded. I live by faith. Lean on his presence. Walk by patience, lift by prayer, and labor by Holy Spirit power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven. My road may be narrow, my way rough. My companions few, but my guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I will not be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice or hesitate in the presence of the adversary. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up or let up until I have stayed up, stored up prayed up, paid up and preached up for the cause of Christ I am a disciple of Jesus I must give until I drop, preach until all know and work until he comes and when he does come for his own he'll have no problem recognizing me my colors will be clear I wonder if you want to read this with me like Tim asked that from young people in Limitless Festival, and he said, I, "I know it's not for everyone, and and only if you really think that you can declare it, stand up and read it with me." And you should have seen it; everybody stood up. <laughs> and I wonder if, if we can make that declaration this morning, that we almost like recommit, like the words of this Zimbabwe ambassador. They're so colourful. They're so poignant. Can we say it? Let's read it out together. Then. If, you, if you're up for it, stand up and read it with me. Let me find my place again. Alright. I'll read it from there. Okay, here we go. Let's read it together. I'm a part of the fellowship of the unashamed. The die has been cast. I have stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I'm a disciple of his and I won't look back. Let up Slow down, back away, or be still. My past is redeemed, my present makes sense, my future is secure. I'm done and finished with low living, sight walking, small planning, smooth knees, colourless dreams, tame visions, mundane talking, cheap living, and dwarf goals. I no longer need preeminence, prosperity position, promotions, plaudits, or popularity. I don't have to be right or first or tops or recognized or praised or rewarded. I live by faith, lean on his presence, walk by patience, lift by prayer and labour by Holy Spirit power. My face is set, my gate is fast, my goal is heaven. My road may be narrow, my way rough, my companions few, but my guide is reliable and my mission is clear. I will not be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice or hesitate in the presence of the adversary. I will not negotiate at the table of the enemy, ponder at the pool of popularity, or meander in the maze of mediocrity. I won't give up, shut up, or let up until I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, paid up, and preached up for the cause of Christ. I am the disciple of Jesus. I must give until I drop, preach until all know, and work until he comes, and when he does come for his own, he'll have no problems recognizing me. My colours will be clear. Amen.
0: Thank you, Tanel. Yeah, that was brilliant. And very challenging as well. It um, cost Jesus everything. And what he's just asking of us is to follow him. And be his, dis- his disciples. Yeah. He gave everything for us. So it's not a big thing for him to ask. That we give all for him. Amen. Thank you. God bless. So let's go encouraged to be. Passionate missionaries and not be undercover Christians. <laughs> thank you. So we'll just temp pray. We'll round off now and then. We can go downstairs for tea and coffee. Carry on enjoying the fellowship together. Lord, we just want to thank you for this morning and thank you for your word that came to us. We thank you for the challenge that we've received. We pray that you indeed help us to walk in step with you to follow you and to live all our lives for you and to be true disciples of Christ, reflecting you in our world as your disciples. Let your grace be sufficient for us and let us not lean on our own understanding. Let us not go in our own strength, but to lean totally on heavenly resources just pray your blessing upon your people this week that your favor will rest upon us as a people and the lord will undertake for his people in jesus name we we'll pray amen. Amen. amen amen thank you everyone thanks for coming this morning so let's um, carry on the fellowship downstairs with tea and coffee